Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. I do podcast episode three. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Okay, let's get started. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Christina Steinorth-Powell. Hi, Christina. 
Hi, how are you today? Excellent. Great, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me here today. Absolutely. We're very excited you can make it. Christina is a licensed psychotherapist in private practice and a board-certified diplomat of professional counseling. She has an office in beautiful downtown Santa Barbara and holds a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Christina's advice and insights are often seen in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Cosmo Magazine, The Huffington Post, Shape, and many more. Christina also has a book titled Cue Cards for Life, Thoughtful Tips for Better Relationships. We've given our listeners just a little overview about you. So take a moment, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Relationships have always interested me since I was a little girl. And one of my goals in life was to figure out how I can help people better their relationships. So I've been doing that for many, many years through print. I love to write. Uh, I have a book out. I have another book in the editing pipeline. I've done magazine articles, newspaper articles, and all over the radio. And this year, I'm going to venture out into TV. And my goal is just to help people have healthy and happy relationships and reach as many people as possible to help them do that. Awesome. And what what TV uh, show... I'm not at liberty to speak about it yet. I would love to tell you, but you know, a lot of these TV shows, they make you sign confidentiality agreements before you, you know, before they air everything, so I'm not at liberty to tell you yet. Oh. As soon as I can, I so- promise you I will. Sounds exciting. We'll post it, I'm sure, after the fact, and our, our listeners will know. Cool. Well, our topic today is tips for couples combining finances. Sarah and I recently got engaged, and so this topic is definitely on our minds. And uh, we want to start off with, tell us a little bit about it, and when is the best time to start combining finances? Well, you know, it's it's such an individual decision. And for some people, there never really is a good time to combine finances. And it's not because they don't love their partner or because, you know, it's a it's an understanding that, you know, they've they've developed over their lifetime. Sometimes you're not in a position. One partner may be in a substantial amount of debt and the other partner may not be. And so there may never be just a good time to combine it. But what I recommend to people, if you are going to combine finances, to wait at least a year. And the reason for that is for the first 12 months when you meet someone, you're always on your best behavior. So, you know, you may not notice little spending quirks that you may not agree with. Uh, you know, somebody may not be completely honest with you that they have thousands and thousands of dollars. And believe me, I, it happens more than anybody would know. Thousands and thousands of dollars of student loan debt. But if you wait that 12 months, people kind of relax themselves a little bit. They start to give you a glimpse of what's really going on, you know, underneath the surface. And, you know, you're able to have more in-depth conversations about things. That's interesting. And you have everything lined up as far as the steps that you need to take when combining finances that we've we've read over. And you start off, one of the things is understanding the other person's financial goals, making a budget together. Can you elaborate on some of these? Well, I think one of the most important things to do is to see if you guys are on the same page, you guys in reference to any married couple or any engaged couple or any couple romantically involved if you're going to consider combining your finances. And What I would like you to do is to each take a piece of paper and write down your top five financial goals. 
And then I'd like you to swap those papers to see if your financial goals are compatible. And what this will tell you is if you're kind of on the same page and how far are you off from one another to see if you can negotiate a middle point and kind of work toward mutual goals together. And the other thing I would like you both to do as a couple is to make a budget and make it as detailed as possible. I'm talking the the most minute types of things that you may not think are important, but in time, those little bitty financial things will add up. And I'm talking about dog grooming appointments or if you get your nails done or if you go get your hair cut, uh, if you buy aftershave. I want you to factor in as, mu- as many things as possible and make that list as detailed as possible and see if you can come to an agreement on how you're going to spend your money, how much you're going to spend, and then try to stick with it. But it's got to be as detailed as possible or you're going to have a lot of gaps that you won't consider. And then, you know, a month, three months, a year down the line, you may find yourself in a substantial amount of debt because you didn't account for those things. And what would you recommend for, let's say um, a couple is going over those you know, differences and their, um, the different expenses they have, and they come across maybe um, the woman in the relationship likes to get her nails done, but the male doesn't see that that's a good way for them to spend their money. What's the best way that you would recommend them addressing it and discussing those type of expenses? You know what, sir? It's so funny that you picked that one because that is exactly the issue that I crossed with my new husband. And, you know, I used to get my nails done every every two weeks. And I used to get a pedicure at the t- same time. And I said, you know what, Christina, look at how much money you're spending a year just to get your nails done. And, you know, it was something because, you know, I, I, I've been self-sufficient. I really didn't give that much thought about it. And when he gave me the number after he calculated it, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, that is kind of a lot of money. Well, okay, I, I love him, and, you know, he's given up some things to be with me. What can I do to make this work? So he's so sweet. And what he had learned how to do, he had come with me a couple times to the nail appointment, and he picked up on how to do them. So he went out and surprised me. I believe. I mean, I couldn't believe it. This this guy is a fine. He figured out how to do it, and now every other time he does my nails. Nice. And That's a great so, compromise. You know, I, I, it's a great compromise, and plus, I also shopped the price to find it less, and I was able to find somebody who did it for two thirds of uh, less than what I was originally paying. So, you know, this is how we met in the middle. I shopped the price, and I let him do it. They don't look as good, of course, as the salon does, but, you know, it's kind of cute, and I find it endearing that he's willing to meet me in the middle and take that time out to do it with me. That's great. So, I got to go with Sarah to her next nail appointment and and study up. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be how much money you say, but you know, it's little things like that. Each side gives a little and you see what will work. You know, of course, like I said, the nails don't look as great when he does it, but I appreciate the effort <laughs> and that makes me willing to do the effort to say, okay, you know, I can live with my nails looking not as great for a couple weeks and then, you know, going into the salon half as much and saving, you know, that much more money. Uh, I think that's great, and and it's about compromise, it seems like, communicating your philosophy and getting it on paper and then compromise. So uh, I love that example of of him 
going with you and, and learning to do it. I think that's great. And on that note, I want to talk about the financial philosophy. Can you elaborate on what philosophy might be as far as saving, spending, and, and how that comes into the relationship? Well, when I talk about financial philosophies, what I'm talking about is what is your attitude towards spending? What is your attitude towards saving? Do you know, do you believe that if you have a credit card, as long as you have that credit limit, you can fill that credit limit up? Or do you believe that I don't buy anything on credit, I only pay cash for things and when I can afford them, I'm not comfortable making payments? And those are the types of things that if you're so radically different in your belief system, you may have a problem later on in your relationship because one spouse, one partner may want to get a bigger house and the other one's going to say, you know what, no, we don't have the cash to pay for that. And the other one will say, why don't we just take out a loan? So what I would like couples to do is talk about how do you feel about debt. And I'm talking about credit card debt. I'm talking about mortgages. I'm talking about student loan debt, car, uh, car loans, all that stuff plays into how we feel about, you know, how we pay for things, what our comfort level is when it comes to taking out loans, and what our strategy is for paying back. Is it a priority to pay things back, or do we just continue to put things on credit? You know, and that's, there's no right or wrong answer. We all feel differently about it. So please, when you're talking about finances, See what your philosophies are, and don't be afraid to ask the difficult questions. So, you know, can you live without that new car until we can afford it? And have your conversations based in truth. Your your relationship overall will have far less arguments when it comes to money if you're able to do that, I promise you. So it seems that you recommend to be as specific and detailed as possible when it comes to going over these types of situations, and that can eliminate um, a lot of potential you know, troubles down the road, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of couples, they shy away from money conversations. And I know why they do it, because in a lot of cultures, in American culture, for example, we're taught that we're reared to believe that it's rude to talk about money. And, of course, it's rude to talk about money to strangers, but if you're sharing your life with somebody, you're going to share everything else. Finances is just as big a, a part of everything as you know, having children together, picking a religion together, how you're going to spend your holidays together. That should be as open and honest of a conversation as you would have about anything else in your relationship. So please, don't be afraid to talk about it with your partner. Yeah, and, and, and I think a lot of the things we talk about on the show, it, it comes down to communication. And what you're talking about is just clearly communicating your personal philosophy on money and, and getting that out there so that when those issues do arise, it, it's clear. It's true, and you know, it, it's interesting because when we talk about communication and relationships, what I find and what I've found in working with couples over the years, if you're inhibited in one part of your relationship about talking openly and honestly, eventually that type of behavior will bleed into other parts. You know, you may not be safe, you're struggling sexually at some point in your marriage. You know, you may not feel as open to to discuss things and what your needs are. But if you can try to keep those communication lines open in every aspect of your relationship, you will fare much better in the long run. How would you recommend dealing with co-signing of a loan or a house or any sort of uh, co-signing? How would you recommend dealing with that? Oh, my goodness. What I tell people is that marriage may be till death do you part, 
but your your the debt that you acquire together will go on beyond that because huh. if one of you dies and you co-sign for a loan, the surviving spouse is going to be responsible for that debt until it's paid off. So my best advice to couples is to tread lightly and exercise caution before you co-sign and make sure that you know you know that you are responsible for half that debt and that you can pay that back in the event something happens with your partner, if your partner takes ill, your partner dies, or you break up, you still will be responsible for half that debt. So just be careful. You talk about deciding if marriage is the right option and marriage as a financial decision. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, it gets into if one partner has a substantial amount of debt, a substantial amount of money, you know, marriage may not be a comfortable option for some people because of those reasons. You know, if you have a perfect credit score and you're marrying somebody who doesn't, that once you combine finances, your credit score will be impacted by your partner's not so great credit score. Uh, you know, you you don't want to get into a, a relationship if you're not comfortable with that with somebody who has lots of it and will continue to collect more. Eventually, that's going to wear on your relationship. I know that doesn't sound romantic, and we're kind of weird to believe that love conquers all, but it. Love doesn't really conquer all when you have mortgage payments, you know, you're raising children together. You know, that's going to cause a lot of friction in your marriage. And if you can avoid those types of things, you're, you're better off, you know, hedging your bets up front saying like, look, maybe, maybe marriage is not an option for us because we're so radically different when it comes to finances. And then kind of see where your life leads further down the road. And it's, it's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't get married, but just be, just be careful. Exercise a lot of caution and make sure that you think of the ramifications in the long term. Absolutely. And it's almost like finances are looked at like any other part in a relationship where if you are radically different than that person, maybe you're not that compatible and you shouldn't be uh, committing to them um, through marriage. Sarah, you're absolutely right. You know, some people, there's some people don't get married because they have different religions, you know, and we're, we're t- kind of taught not to do that with finances, even if we have different philosophies, but it is kind of the same thing. In one of your other topics that you list in the article that we read that we found very interesting was finding your comfort zone. Can you expand a little bit on that? Finding your comfort zone is, you know how we talked about earlier in the show about the nail example. You know, what if I just would have not been comfortable with my new husband doing my nails? You know, I would have just thought, wow, you know, maybe that was something I couldn't overcome, but I could. You know, I'm comfortable with doing that, and I'm comfortable in giving in sometimes, and he's obviously comfortable. And finding your comfort zone is what can you live with? Can you tolerate a certain amount of spending without paying it back immediately? Can you tolerate saving money and foregoing things that, that you may want immediately and say, like, look, I'm just going to rather, I, I would rather save the money. And that's finding your comfort zone. And I really urge people to stay in your comfort zone and work on finding a comfort zone together. Because once you start to stray from that, it's going to cause friction in your relationship. What would you say another reason that couples struggle in their relationship besides finances? I think the number one problem I find besides finances, and probably, you know, the, the 
the most the most uh, common problem that people struggle with is that they're afraid to talk about things. They're afraid to upset their partner. They're afraid that they might hurt their partner's feelings. And so much of communication is not so much being hesitant to bring things up. It's how you say it. You know, you can basically say almost whatever you want to someone. If you use some gentleness, if you use some, if some, if you use a caring approach, you know, you can't, even though topics may be uncomfortable to talk about, you can't be afraid to bring them up because if you keep on avoiding them, that problem is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and that's going to start to bleed over into other areas of your relationship. So that's the number one problem I see is people get hesitant to talk about things and then they let things fester. Don't do that. It's the worst thing you can do for your relationship. Yeah, and that's that reoccurring theme of communication. It's so huge when you're talking about finances or anything else. So good information there. It's absolutely true. Communication is the cornerstone to any good relationship. Now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's particularly on our minds. Let's do it. Well, I'll go first. In regards to combining finances, I know this can be looked at in a couple different ways from splitting the bills to the to the one end versus the other end of just having one account for the two of you when you're married. I have girlfriends that have one account that's specifically, you know, for their expenses, maybe for their nails or for some shopping and it's just a small amount of money that they have for their needs for the month, for example. What would you say to that type of situation. Is that is that good or is it bad? Is it does it depend on the relationship? It depends on the relationship and it depends on the two people involved in the relationship. I personally like that approach because it gives you a little freedom if you want to surprise your partner, if you feel like you want to just go do something for yourself. You know, it gives you that little opportunity to do that. But not every couple and not every partner in a couple is comfortable with that. So that's something that I would urge you to speak about with each other prior to marriage to see, look, how about we have a a joint account and each of us has an individual account that we keep, you know, X amount of dollars in, $200, $500, $1,000 in, and we just... This way, we don't have to check with each other if we want to spend some money outside of our joint account. And one of the agreements we came to is that anything over $100, we check with each other. And, you know, that keeps us in the loop with each other, and none of us feel, neither one of us feel that we're taking advantage of this situation or keeping secrets from one another. So that's what, that's something that works for us. But, yeah, I see nothing wrong with keeping a small individual account for yourself. Great. That's very good information. Thank you. So we already told you we're getting married in October. And one of the things... Yeah, thank thank you. you. And I don't know anything about prenuptial agreements. So can you tell me about prenuptial agreements and how they come up in a relationship and the issues uh, when someone's getting married? Well, let me start by saying I am not an attorney and I'm not a financial (laughs) advisor. I'm a relationship counselor. But what I can tell you from the relationship counselor's standpoint about prenuptial agreements is these can be a very sticky wicket. And why people have them, you know, they they vary. Some people, uh, I I know a couple that uh, the husband is involved in the, the family business. 
and the family wanted him to have a prenuptial agreement. So in the event something went wrong in his marriage, that the wife wouldn't get half of the family business. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's something that you need to discuss with your future spouse if they're comfortable in signing one. And if you want to have one, I would encourage you to go to an attorney who specializes in them. And then, you know, maybe what you can do from the relationship counselor perspective, maybe you can take your spouse with your future spouse with you to that appointment so the attorney can fully explain why you're going to have a prenuptial agreement. Sometimes when we have more knowledge about why somebody's doing something and and it's explained to us by a third party, we're a little bit more amenable as to why we may want to sign it. You know, it's not that this person doesn't trust me. You know, it's the families that are trying to protect their business for future generations and their other children. It makes a little more sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And and I like that um, information and about taking your spouse to the office when you're, you're discussing it with an attorney or whatever so that it's transparent and they completely understand what's going on. I think that, that eases attention because in my mind... It, it becomes a contentious issue because it's like, sign this just in case we split up sort right. of thing. No matter how you look at it, it can be perceived as unromantic. But like you said, if they go into the office and they see the reasonings behind it, maybe a family business, it's definitely a lot more understandable um, from the spouse's uh, point of view. It is. You know, I know if I were put in that situation and my spouse said, look, you know, my family's had this business for years and years and years. Why don't you come with me to the appointment? This way you'll see that I'm not trying to hide anything from you. And you'll see exactly. Let the attorney explain to you in terms that I can't. Maybe it will make more sense to you. You know, I would be much more open to that conversation than somebody just throwing a piece of paper in front of me and say, you must sign this before we get married. What happens if they say no? What happens then? (laughs) Well, then you kind of have a dilemma on your hands. Yeah. You know, are, are you okay with this? Will you get married anyway? Or are you going to say, this is not a relationship for me because I have to have somebody who's going to find this? And again, that just gets to be an individual decision. Now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. <laughs> we'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help our listeners build a foundation for lasting relationships. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Christina, are you ready to help us build lasting love? I am. Let's, let's build lasting love. Let's do it. All right. Well, I'll start first. Uh, what's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? I think the best thing couples can do on a daily basis to help them improve their relationship is to act loving toward each other. And the reason for this is people will always remember how you make them feel. Now, I understand it's not possible to be lovey-dovey 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm not saying you have to leave romantic notes and, you know, you need to speak loving words. I'm saying do loving gestures, you know, little things that let the person know that you care. If it's something that's going by and kind of gently like kissing your partner's neck or ear, you know, rubbing their feet at the end of the day or just kind of holding their hand while you watch TV, let them know that you love them. It's just so important and in time it will it will just help your relationship stay, stay strong and bonded. I love that. And I, I like the random hugs I get from Sarah during the day. So <laughs> We try. 
Yeah, never stop doing that. Absolutely. Never stop. You know, when you guys are 80, still do it. Is there a book or resource you recommend for couples? I know this may sound like I'm promoting my book, but I think it's good for couples. I think it's good for all couples. It's Cue Cards for Life. Cue Cards for Life, Thoughtful Tips for Better Relationships. I have, especially when you're just getting married, my book will take you from just meeting your families, working out the, the, the wedding stuff, when you stumble in your relationship, how to keep your love strong. It will last you through the course of your marriage and every stage of it. Great. Well, we'll have that on our archives page, and we'll have that book on there so our listeners can check it out and take your awesome advice. Thank you. So, like we said earlier, we're getting married this year. Is there any advice that you would give engaged couples or newlyweds specifically? I would encourage you to not be afraid to talk with one another, no matter how uncomfortable you think the topic is. Talk about it now rather than thinking it's going to work out because a lot of times those things that we're afraid to discuss and we think the details will work themselves out, I can just about promise you they won't. And that's not to be a downer, not to be, you know, negative about a situation. But, you know, we can't come to an agreement about things that we're afraid to discuss. So, yes, again, it is about communication, but I just encourage you, Think about you're going to spend your life with this person. You can't be afraid to talk about things that are important to you. So please, just put it out there. If it's difficult, just watch your words and how you say it and try to work through it. Because if you can't work through it when you're engaged, you can't let that fester. Five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're not going to be able to work through it then either. So it will become a significant issue. Absolutely. And I like how you just said, watch what you say and how you say it. Because for me, tone can be everything. And well, for most people, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And so I think that's a very important point when you're talking with your spouse or partner that you watch how you say it. And that's with anything in life. You know, we have conflicts with other people, we have things we don't agree with. But and we don't have to always agree on everything, but we should always be respectful of one another and be very conscientious how we say things and how is that going to be perceived by others. That's such a large part into resolving conflict and to having those difficult conversations. Just, just be careful. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? My single piece of advice would be to never let your relationship go into autopilot. I see it so many times when couples have been together, you know, over a year, five years, ten years. They kind of start letting things just be. And I think it's one of the worst mistakes couples can make. Like, when you start to think, well, I'm not even going to try anymore because I'm not going to get a different response out of my, my husband, my wife. I think, you know, that's going into autopilot. Always make an effort to be the person who you were when you got married because remember, that's what attracted us to each other to begin with. Do you have a couple tips to help our uh, listeners not go into autopilot? I do. One of the best things I can recommend is that at the end of the day, or at the beginning of the day, if that works better into your schedule, touch base with each other, just the two of you. You know, power off all your electronic devices, turn off the telephone, turn off the uh, television set, sit in front of each other and just have a conversation. It doesn't need to talk, you don't need to talk about anything deep. 
you know, you'll talk about how your day is going, you check in with each other and see where you are. It kind of helps you keep a good pulse on your relationship. That's great advice. Go ahead. The Sorry. second tip I have—it's uh, okay. The second tip I have, and I think it's equally as important, is to never stop doing things together, even if they're silly things. Because when we do things with our partner, it gives us a shared experience, and it's so bonding. It gives you uh, something to reflect on later in the day. It gives you something to giggle over. It gives you something to recall when your relationship may not be in a great place. You can think back and say, hey, look, I, you know, I, I seem to remember having a good time with this person. I want to get back there. And when I'm talking about shared experiences, it could be bowling. It be, could be cooking dinner together, going to the farmer's market, pipeline. It can be as silly as you want to make it. Just continue to do things together. I love that, and both of those are great pieces of advice, and especially, it wasn't the main point, but turning off the electronics, because this day and age, with our iPad, iPhone, iTV, everything going on, it, it can take away from the relationship a lot. It totally takes away from relationships. I, I see couples, and they say, oh, we talk with each other all the time, but I see they're always checking their texts, you yeah. know, you know, checking in on Facebook. Don't do any of that. Ten minutes a day. Turn all that stuff off. Just focus on each other. That is just great advice. And Christina, we've really enjoyed hearing all your tips and advice that you've given us today and our listeners. And let's just finish by you telling us where our listeners can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Uh, you can find me on the web at www.christinasteinnorth, S-T-E-I-N-O-R-T-H.com. You can find me on Facebook. Just plug in my name. I've got an author page. I've got a personal page. Friend me. I'll, I'll friend you. I'm on there all the time. We can correspond or can answer any questions you have. And you can find me on Twitter at Steinnorth C, S-T-E-I-N-O-R-T-H-C. Our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, Christina, we want to thank you so much for taking the time and speaking with us today. We really appreciated all your generous knowledge and we thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com